there could very well be the situation where you see an autonomous delivery truck go from the factory where the stuff is produced directly to the restaurant using a very smart AI guided routing. You might not need a, a distributor in between. Who knows? You know, these are sorts of innovations coming coming down the road. Today on Dirty Linen, we are talking to futurist Rod Fowler. Rod uh, is an expert in food industry foresight and forecasting, and he's the host of the Talking Trends stage at Fine Food Australia, a trade show which is on in Melbourne in September. Rod, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. Explain a little bit about the work that you do. Well, um, we are, I guess have two big arms. One is the traditional market researcher providing data and insights for the food service sector. Um, but the other thing we do is look at what's coming next and what how companies need to plan ahead and adapt to new challenges or even new threats uh, that come from new technology or innovations or competitive pressures even in our food service space. So I guess, you know, a word that we've heard a million times, probably 900,000 times too many, is pivot. We've all been talking about the agility of the hospitality industry. What do you see happening and coming in this space? Well, um, and you're right, I think we're all sick of hearing pivot. And, and the problem with the word pivot is it's it in, implies movement around a single point in time. And, and really, uh, we all need to be uh, uh, be able to adapt or be agile in our businesses on a continuous basis. And I think we've all learned some very interesting lessons out of COVID and proven to ourselves that we can adapt very quickly when when we need to. I mean, who would have thought that McDonald's would be selling eggs and milk in the drive through I mean, even people in McDonald's would never, ever have forecast that. But it just shows the flexibility and adaptability we can apply to our business if we have to. And then the opportunity there, I believe, as a futurist going forward, is how can we harness that skill set we've just adapted or learned or picked up that we can we can adapt and change in our business quickly? How can we continue doing that to improve what we do? And there's some very interesting things happening around us, a lot of change. And a big one is uh, robotics, where we are seeing around the world hundreds and hundreds of different robots taking away menial tasks from humans, allowing the human to do the more complicated things or the more customer-oriented things. And uh, there's a lot of scepticism about this. People think they're going to lose their jobs. But, of course, the reality at the moment is um, you know, we've got a, a, a labour shortage and it is a brilliant time to look at these types of automation opportunities to complement what you're, what you're doing in your business. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had the experience of being served by a robot in a couple of restaurants, and I suppose it still has that sort of gimmick value where it is quite new. And, you know, when the robot comes along, everyone gets their phone out and starts filming the robot. But having spoken to the restaurateurs that are using them, they definitely speak of it as an adjunct to staff and the valuable work that humans can do, not as uh, not as um, a device that sort of, I guess, steals jobs. And as you say, everyone's short on staff anyway. Yes, that's right. And, and, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with having a gimmick that attracts business to your to your venue. Um, so the gimmick factor is quite an acceptable uh, part of it. Uh, but the reality is, in fact, I had lunch today with at a, at a robotic restaurant in Chatswood here in Sydney, and um, talking to the to the manager there and the 
the the things that they're they're able to do. I mean, it it, it extends their opening hours. It means they don't have to have with the staff shortage. They don't have to restrict their hours. They can stay open longer and provide the same level of service. Uh, they can get more throughput through the restaurant because the human waiter is still there taking orders and looking after the customers and it doesn't have to run between the table and the kitchen, either to deliver the meals or to take away dirty plates. So there's a lot of interesting aspects to this that we're yet to, the broader market is yet to understand. And it, yes, they do look a little bit like gimmicks and it's typically found in Asian style restaurants at the moment, but we'll see it everywhere soon because you can imagine <clears throat> the opportunity to open up new parts of your venue. Uh, you might have a veranda outside, for example. Why can't you uh, deliver your meals out there a lot easier or use other spaces in the food court? Or instead of in the food court, queuing up and then trying to battle for a table, turn it around the other way, find a table first, and then order on an app and get the robot to deliver to you to your table in the food court. So there's lots of different ideas and applications around this that we're yet to see roll out. And, and if you think about other areas like uh, aged care, you know, why should trained nurses have to deliver meals? Why don't you get the robots to do some of that work? Um, of course, it can't replace every single human interaction in those environments, but it does um, complement uh, the existing workforce and provide new opportunities for, for, for businesses and, and services. I suppose it's, it's interesting, you know, there's so much in the food world. I'm thinking about manufacturing and other types of production that is automated. And I guess it's that customer facing, um, those customer facing roles that we haven't been used to seeing um, machines working in. But I mean, I suppose it, yeah, it just makes sense that that um, there would be those innovations and those efficiency, efficiencies at every point along the supply chain. That's right. And technology now is such that, you know, if you think back, going back decades, you've seen videos of robots in car manufacturing factories. Those robots were dangerous to humans. If you got in the way of one of those moving robot arms, they could kill you. Uh, these robots, these are what they call cooperative robots. They have sensors and safety mechanisms and navigation tools. Um, that so they're totally safe amongst humans, and that has opened many, many different doors to new op opportunities to use those types of uh, robotics in in close uh, proximity to humans, and as if it's a, another person standing beside you. Um, something that we also hear so much about it's always going to be the next big thing is alternative proteins, fake meats, that kind of thing. I mean, what do you see in that space? Well, uh, this is probably one of the largest changes of in the food industry in human history, and and that sounds a pretty a pretty bold statement, but there are absolutely billions and billions and billions of dollars being invested in this space by a lot of very smart people, and and in Australia we're we're big meat eaters, and I think uh, you know our population is less than ten percent who are. Uh, proper vegetarians, so to speak, um, and we're not aiming at that. That that, that 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 these alternative protein products are not aimed at those types of customers. Uh, the 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 phrase being coined is flexitarians, people who who choose to eat vegetarian sometimes, um, and we probably all have done that at some stage. Um, but the, the reality is the. The traditional meat industry cannot keep pace with the growing global population and produce the amount of protein that we're all demanding. 
So uh, that means, um, you know, prices will go up and we have to clear more land and use more resources to, um, uh, you know, meet that demand. And the reality is alternative proteins or plant-based proteins use like a tenth of the water and land resources that a, that a cow would use. And so we are actually achieving a very good dietary um, solution with a fraction of the the damage to to the to the planet. So that has a big pull factor with investors and with you know people who care about the planet, which is most of us these days. Um, and that is driving this whole area. And a, the industry is has to relearn how to adapt and use recipes and condiments and vegetables and other things you serve on a plate around this new type of protein. So there's a whole process going on at the moment to educate and um, explore this whole new food category. And in fact, as food researchers, as market researchers, we do a market size across all product categories and, and food service operator channels in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and we had to create a whole new product category to measure this because it, we can't measure it alongside normal meats and can't measure it alongside vegetables or, or cereals. So we had to create a new product category. I mean, that's, that's, that shows you the, the, the enormity of, of the change, if you like. For the average independent restaurant, how would they sort of take this information and use it? You know, what sort of... What should they be doing? How should they be thinking about it? Well, um, this is one of the, the reasons we, 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 we um, include all these types of new concepts at the talking trend stage at Fine Food uh, because that's a place where food service operators come and, and see new products and, and, and new ideas and learn. Um, and the, the idea here is to um, you know educate the market about how to, how to use this. Um, do you have to change your entire menu? Certainly not. Um, but by offering uh, an alternative protein um, menu item, or one or two of them, or even a, a, a plant protein version of your uh, in-house burger, um, you know that provides another choice on the, in the market. And don't forget, there's, there's many hundreds of millions being spent on marketing at the moment for plant proteins. And there's a wave, if you like, of change going through and learning happening. And, you know, why not get some of the benefit of that and put some of that product on your menu item too so you can play and get, get the rub off of that wave coming through the marketplace? Yeah, I don't know. For th this is one that I'm still sceptical about. I don't know. I I'm still just feel like if I don't want to eat meat, I'll just eat some vegetables. Um, and I feel like if a restaurant wants to have a plant-based burger, can't they just make it themselves? But I don't know, like I'm, I'm yet to be convinced, but I, I hear you, like there's billions of dollars of research going into this and people who are much smarter than I am, who are, you know, saying that it's going to be, you know, here, here to stay. So interest, it's a really interesting space for sure. It is, but don't forget, you know, the, the, um, the cost of traditional meats is going up regularly and, and it will continue to do so. Uh, and in the end, in some menu items um, for the average family, you know, a plant protein will be a, a much cheaper alternative in the future and will still deliver all of the dietary benefits and you can still substitute it into the recipes that you know yourself how to make, right? So from that point of view, it is a, a valid um, opportunity, if you like, for a new, new, new uh, protein concept. Um, and, of course, 
people will always continue to eat normal meats, and 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 so will I. I, I love a, a good steak, um, and, and I'll I'll be prepared to pay for it. But you know, uh, the fact is, it it won't be as cheap as it is at the moment for much longer, or in the future. So, I mean, I guess this this one ties into inflation. You know, you mentioned the cost of, of regular meats. What about some of these industry challenges that we hear about over and over again? Um, so job shortages, wages and cost of goods. Yeah. So, um, again, um, at, at the Talking Trends stage at Fine Food, we'll have a session uh, led by the Australian Food Service Advocacy Body. And that's a brand new uh, industry association formed just uh, about a year and a half ago. Uh, representing the entire food service um, uh, industry from producers, uh, suppliers, distributors, right through to food service operators, front of house staff, whatever. Um, and uh, there are some there's some big challenges that the industry is facing. And we'll hear from uh, Wes Lambert, who you may know used to be head up the, the uh, Restaurant and Catering Association, and CEO Tony Green um, from Australian Food Service Advocacy Body. He's the CEO. Uh, they'll be covering some of these big issues. But, you know, um, I think expectations in the marketplace are, are changing or will have to change because we won't be able to uh, present the same menus at the same price with the same service levels. So at the moment, food service operators are navigating these things like job shortages and wage conditions and the, the costs and the energy costs um, where they have to make some choices. So do they uh, reduce their staff? Do they reduce their menu? Do they reduce their hours? Um, you know, some businesses are less viable than they were before the pandemic. Uh, and, of course, you've got the whole situation with the demographic of the CBDs in Melbourne, Sydney and, and other places where you know, you go there at the moment. It looks like it's 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 a ghost town compared to what it used to be. So there's a there's a change in the market and behaviour uh, by both diners, and that'll of course uh, flow onto operators, and uh, and um, uh, the the industry needs to um, work through those and adapt to the new reality after the pandemic. It's such a such a dynamic place that the industry is in, right? I mean, how are you feeling? overall about where things are at is it a is it a scary time for hospitality is it an exciting time how should we all be feeling well we certainly should remain agile i think uh, there's a lot of new things happening and changing there's some uh, restructuring going in behind going on behind the scenes we saw uh, the ACCC give their blessing to Woolworths purchase of pfd you know one of the biggest distributor groups in australia uh, in food service uh, last year uh, so Woolworths um, putting a toe in the water means that the rest of the industry will be competing with someone that has very good logistics and technology and uh, resources to improve things or you know uh, get get good market share. So um, th- I see that as a good thing. I don't think many people in the industry were very worried about it, but the reality is it's a it's a healthy competitive pressure and the industry will have to grow and develop to to meet that uh, that challenge um, so that's interesting uh, and of course we have a lot of it's a very fragmented distribution structure in food service uh, the typical restaurant has maybe eight to ten suppliers some more some less but it means that um, and, and there's a probably about oh over a thousand different food service distributors in the country uh, well and truly and and, and the 
um, the challenge there is that even the biggest one, say PFD or even bid food, they're only about 12% of the market in volume. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, fragmentation um, and uh, a lot of the distributors are small to medium businesses, uh, family, some of them uh, with kids that don't want to take over. So there'll be, there'll be um, succession planning issues in the, in the next, next decade where you'll see a consolidation probably across some of those structures. Um, and, and again, that could provide uh, or, or, or show um, cost advantages to the industry if we, we consolidate some of those critical, if you like, distribution infrastructure. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot going on um, and it's an exciting time. That's a really interesting one and not, not something that I know much about at all, that the distribution side of things. But I suppose my instant concern is that it leads to a blanding out of the of the industry where everyone's purchasing from the same people and there's less differentiation we don't have you know we, we we so love our diverse and independent restaurants in Australia I mean do you see that there's a risk of losing some of that um that diversity that individuality um yes and no I think in some areas yes but but um, you know, chefs are, and, and Australian uh, chefs, in particular, are very good, are very skilled at finding good ingredients and and, and encouraging that. Um, and I think we in Australia we are we produce very good um, uh, food and beverages, and I think we will see unique ideas and um, sources of supply survive. Uh, but, you know, it, one thing is producing it, the other one is distributing it, getting it to the restaurant. And it's the distribution uh, leg that I'm talking about where <clears throat> you'll see some consolidation because it'll just be cheaper and easier. Um, but, of course, you know, in, in another decade away, we've got autonomous vehicles. And uh, there could very well be the situation where you see um, an autonomous delivery truck go from the factory where the stuff is produced to the uh, directly to the to the restaurant using a very smart AI guided routing uh, that is efficient across all those customers. You, you might not need a, a distributor in between. Who knows? But you know these are sorts of innovations coming coming down the road. It'll be delivered by drone. It'll be cooked by a robot and delivered by another machine on wheels. So certainly interesting times for us. Um, you know, in food service and as diners. But um, so so great to get your insights, Rod. Really appreciate your time and, um, yeah, sharing the fruits of all the research that you do. Thank, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Danny. Cheers. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This